for tuning in. You're listening to Fintech Cafe, a live show that takes place every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific on Clubhouse, where we're joined by a live audience. This is the recorded session of that live discussion. And you're listening to episode 40. And our guest is Jag Dougal, who's the chief product officer at Newbank, the largest fintech company in Latin America. So we're very grateful that Jack could join us today and discuss the trends in fintech and how Newbank became the darling of all the fintechs out of Latin America. But before we get started, a couple of reminders. First, Fintech Cafe is a passion project that we created with an intention to cultivate a community of thought leadership within the fintech space. Our employers are not associated with this show. We're not endorsing any products and we're certainly not providing any investment advice. If you like more information about the show, or if you're interested in job opportunities within the fintech companies that we bring on our show, we welcome you to check out our website, fintechcafe.org. With that, let's kick it off with some introductions. I'll go first. My name is Ambika Sharma. I'm the founder of Fintech Cafe, and for a living, I'm actually a product manager. I've been involved with the fintech space for about a decade, and have worked in the United States, Europe, and Latin America. I'll pass it to my co-host for her introduction next. Thank you, Ambika. I work in the fin financial services sector as well, and more than a decade here. Uh, co-host of Ambika on the show, and very excited to host uh, Jag. So welcome, Jag. Would you mind giving a quick introduction, and then we'll jump uh, into our questions. I'm really excited to, to talk about what's happening in fintech, particularly globally. <laughs> That was fantastic, <laughs> short and sweet. With that, let's not waste much time and get started. You guys really excited. New Bank started in 2013 in Brazil, offering no-fee credit cards. Today, you serve 54 million customers across Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico. So you're one of the largest, you are the largest fintech company in Latin America and, you know, have the famous ringing endorsement of the Oracle himself with Warren Buffett. I'm sure you've heard this of plenty who invest about uh, 1.5 billion in Newbank. Amazing, amazing success story. So with that as a setup, could you share with us some of those early days and the founding story of Newbank? For sure. And I've been with Newbank for a little over two years. So not, not privy to all of the excitement of the early founding founding team, but the the idea I think was was pretty pretty simple. The, Newbank was founded ironically out of a decision by Sequoia Capital not to start in Latin America. David Velez, who's our our co-founder and our CEO since the beginning, worked at Sequoia starting even when he was still at at Stanford Business School, and was working with Doug Leone, who leads Sequoia Capital to look at opening up a Sequoia office in Latin America as Sequoia had done in China and India previously. What they found at the time was that Latin America was close, but ultimately they decided not quite ready for being a good fit for what Sequoia wanted to do. Not enough depth of technical talent at the time, not enough truly innovative startups at the time. David was offered the opportunity to work with Sequoia somewhere else, and he made a counterintuitive decision. He, he decided that while Sequoia wasn't ready for Latin America as a Colombian 
who had grown up in between Colombia and Costa Rica, he was ready to cast his lot and, and see if he couldn't turn Latin America and make a great startup success story. So with that, he left Sequoia, got a million dollars of seed, cap- seed capital from them and set off to, to found what became Newbank. What he knew were a couple of basic things. Financial services, that the big banks in Latin America were extremely concentrated, were extremely profitable, and were extremely poorly regarded by their customers. And that combination of, of customer hate and extreme profitability made him find a couple of co-founders, Christian Kara and Ed Weibel, and they collectively decided that they were going to build a high net profit, a net promoter score company in a low NPS category, which is banking, particularly in Brazil and throughout Latin America. And that was at the time a crazy, crazy, crazy idea. Everyone in the market told David that uh, you simply don't take on the big five Brazilian banks. You're destined to fail. And little by little, the rest is history. They've built uh, something pretty amazing. And, and I came along for the ride starting right at the beginning of 2020. Segway into your journey, Jag. Um- so product uh, is something I think you've worn on your sleeve uh, for quite some time in your career. So could you speak to your journey to Newbank? Yeah, it's, it's an un- unlikely story. In terms of my product management career, I, after almost a decade in, in strategy consulting, none of which was actually in, or almost none of which was actually in financial services, I came out to Silicon Valley having dropped out of of a couple of grad schools, joined Google for an opportunity and then spent the following 15 years at Google, a leading product at a startup called Quantcast in San Francisco, and then at, at Facebook most recently. So all of my experience was in media tech and advertising technology. I had one connection, small connection to Brazil. I had done a consulting project in Sao Paulo over 20 years ago, early in my career. So I had a, brief, a, a slight familiarity with Brazil and the market. I actually remember my client at the time as we walked by one of the big local bank branches volunteering how much he disliked his bank. So that sort of lodged in my, in my brain because as much as I don't love my bank here in the US, I didn't have an active distaste for them. And then I got a call, and, and the first time I spoke with David, my first question to him was, why are we speaking? Because I don't know financial services. And, and that's where the conversation got really interesting. What David told me was basically two things that got me intrigued. The first thing he said is, look, we're a tech company, not a financial services company. And the second thing he says is the first value of Newbank, which is you know true from the start and true through now, is we want our customers to love us fanatically. And we don't just say that. Our NPS, I think he said was 80 something at the time. And that really got my attention because the opportunity to build something brand new in the emerging world, I actually grew up in Latin America. I grew up in the Caribbean and Trinidad. So the opportunity to take the skill set that I had developed over 15 plus years in Silicon Valley and apply it not to the richest billion people on the planet, which is what 
advertising technology and media technology is really focused on. But on the bottom half of the global income pyramid was was something that got me very intrigued. And over time, I decided to cast my lot with David in the in the purple revolution, as we call it. And and the last two years have been quite the ride. Start wearing purple. In terms of your, you know, you came in at the meteoric rise of number of customers that they were scaling. Just a quick insight into what it was those first 30, 60, 90 days when you started. It seems like you probably were <laughs> trying to jump on a very fast moving bullet train. So how, what were the things you were kind of looking out for during those early days? Yeah, you know, there were a couple of things going on. I had made the radical decision of my family that we were going to move from the Bay Area and move to move to Sao Paulo, Brazil. So there was all of the logistics of figuring that stuff out. My family actually hadn't moved and then COVID came and disrupted all our plans. But but I was I was down there starting in January, so there was figuring all of that stuff out trying to navigate Portuguese, which which I'm still trying to figure out, and uh, and then there was New Bank itself. What was great about New Bank is its its DNA is very similar, very familiar. If you're coming from Silicon Valley, it's extremely, in fact, more so than any place I've ever worked. Consumer oriented, work backwards from the consumer need. We had many of the mechanics that I would have been used to from Google or Facebook, whether it's using objectives and key results, whether it's thinking about product market fit and all of these types of things. And so there were definitely, there was definitely a lot of adaptation, but the biggest challenge that, that I faced was, was putting just, just a little, was, was two things, structure on on the hyper growth, as you talked about, the company had really just just re- turned a corner on the on on an explosive growth, and uh, making sure that we, given the surplus of opportunities we faced and still do, ensuring that we had enough focus going for for the things that would really move the needle for us, and that that was that was my challenge while at the same time ramping up on okay this entire financial services space that was pretty new to me coming from coming from facebook jack the only i think portuguese word i know is obrigado so i'm also very new to the the language (laughs) i spent three or four weeks once upon a time but that's all i retained so i want to before we go into product questions and product offerings i want to go back to or at least I want to hit on the environment, the, port, the Brazilian banking sector. Mm-hmm. So there's a series of questions I have for you, but I'll start with the first one. And that is, does the word new bank, does that mean it's a new type of bank in Portuguese? Or what does the name symbolize? You know, it's, it's a little embarrassing for me to say this, but that's what I thought even up to the day I joined New Bank. New in Portuguese actually means, it basically means nude or naked, not new. There's a different Portuguese word for new. And so while it's an interesting you know, simile in the word uh, with new, what it's really about is David and Chris and Ed and the founding team wanted to build a bank that was radically transparent. Banking in the US 
in Latin America or really pretty much anywhere in the world typically derives a great deal of its profitability from complexity, even today. It's often on the bet that the consumer will make a mistake that banks drive a lot of profitability. Anyone who's ever had an overdraft knows what I'm talking about. And the idea behind Newbank was that we would be radically transparent, radically pro-consumer, and that by creating customer value, we could build, yes, a disruptive uh, proposition, but also a very highly profitable business. And so that the name Newbank is almost a manifesto in, in and of itself. I'm glad I asked. Otherwise, I would have asked all the rest, rest of the questions with the wrong assumption. Okay, so transparency, <laughs> a, new, a new way to, I guess, look at banking. So does that imply that the banking sector, at least back in 2013, when the company was started, was not transparent? Or what was the, wrong the, with the banking sector? The banking sector, and, and there's, there's a lot of statistics that say that it's more extreme in, in, in Latin America and Brazil in particular compared to the US or other parts of the world. But, but it's a matter of degree, not a matter of kind. What, what characterized the banking sector at the time was there were, there were a, the fees were really high. The fee to move money from one account to another was very, very high particularly relative to the standard of living. Simply setting up a bank account was an extremely complex process requiring multiple visits to the, to the bank, to a physical branch, often requiring, you know, often, you know, requiring a lot of security checks, both physical and beyond. It was enormously inconvenient. David, David has told me in the past that, you know, the Brazilian banking sector a decade ago treated its customers as if they were criminals and started with that sort of basic assumption. And so the inconvenience, the high cost, the, the fact that there were a lot of the revenue streams were betting on mistakes. I once read an article a long time ago, 15 years ago in Harvard Business Review that talked about the title of the, of the article, I'll never forget. It was, it was companies and the customers that hate them. And the two of the three examples in that article were credit cards and banks. And the, one of the examples that always stuck with me was that, and this was at least true 15 years ago before the Consumer Protection Financial Bureau that, that got created after the crisis, banks would order your checks in terms of how they process it, not by date, but by largest to smallest. So they increase the odds that someone would go into overdraft status. So for each check thereafter, they could charge you an overdraft fee. That's in the U.S. So whether it's the U.S. or Brazil, Latin America, or anywhere else, there are a lot of ways given the inherent complexity, at least in some parts of banking, where that, that complexity can trip consumers up and that can lead to great profitability, at least in the short term. That, that meant that Brazil, which had, you know, and still does today, really has five big legacy banks, was an extremely profitable banking ecosystem, most profitable companies in Latin America across any sector. But they were making these high profits despite the fact that their customers were deeply unhappy 
and so many consumers were both unbanked and underbanked and that that was really what the what the opportunity was yeah i used to work at the central bank of chile um, so monetary policy but in chile and mm. brazil because it's the largest economy in latin america was you know discussed a lot like how are things done in brazil when I did go to Brazil, I remember I went to Banco do Brazil, like their regular retail branch. And it was like as if I was going through going to an airport, there was so much security that I had to clear just to go into a bank. And that was very different from how I was used to things. So thank you. When you were describing, I was reminded of that experience. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. But yes, that is that is very, very typical of what was true not that long ago. Right. So the five uh, largest banks they have about 80% of the assets in the financial system, the interest rates they charge the, the customers for their products, they're, they're very high. For example, yes. credit cards, I think 100, 100, a bank can charge up to 160% for a credit card. They can charge up to 70% for a personal loan. It used to be 100%, I think, a few years ago, but it's gone down to 70. That's still relatively high. At SoFi, I can get a loan for 5% or so. And so yeah, the interest rates are high, and then the interest, the interest rate the banks have to pay to the central bank of Brazil to borrow money are around 3 or 4%. So you're right, like the margins are extremely high, but there's no competition in this space. So I'm curious if you could double click on why isn't there competition? Why aren't more fintechs or more foreign investment going into the Brazilian sector? Well, I, I think... I think that has historically been true over the last three, four, five years, partly catalyzed by Newbank's success, the, the, the fintech uh, ecosystem in Brazil is actually extremely robust and, and growing rapidly. The amount of funding that's coming in general in, across the entire tech ecosystem, but also particularly in fintech is, is really is really high. And so while Newbank is by quite a margin, the largest fintech, let's just keep it limited to Brazil for right now. There are a number of other fintechs that are, are doing quite well, growing quite fast. And, and we welcome the competition and we welcome the fact that consumers have lots of, lots of options. A lot of that has actually been nurtured by the Brazilian central bank, which is I, one of my biggest surprises in working for new bank, how much, how progressive the Brazilian central bank has been in its, in its shepherding of, of competition over the last at least five years and, and probably even a little bit longer than that. Could you talk a little bit about the process of getting a banking license from the Central Bank of Brazil? What was that like? Uh, again, my information is from a few years ago. I remember back then there were no foreign investments allowed in the local banking sector. And so for the, the fact that David and his founding team were able to get a banking license um, to operate in Brazil, even though they were foreigners, what was that process like? So there are a couple of things that I think are worth noting. And again, I, I'm, I'm not familiar in all of its you know all of its detail with the with the specifics of what of how this was navigated but the brazilian central bank at some point over you know recent history has created a couple of different tiers or flavors of of licensing in the financial services sector there are a couple of different regulators for example there's a different regulator for insurance than there is for sort of core banking 
And so part of what we've been able to do at New Bank is get the licensing that we needed to operate and to offer customers what what we wanted to offer. And there are there are there are traditional the traditional sort of full fully fledged, fully blown banking licenses that some of the traditional banks have that weren't necessary for what we needed to operate. And so we have gotten a different flavor of the of the finance banking license that, that and the financial services license that we need to operate. And so and that has all been again shepherded by the, the central bank because they have been looking to bring the Brazilian consumer into the banking sector and more recently into the digital banking for with with, with whichever bank they choose to use, a traditional a foreign a fintech, whatever it might be, because they see great advantages in driving you know, Brazilian economic development by doing that. And so they have built a regulatory architecture that's actually quite flexible. And some of that is recent. And I think some of the perceptions of, of Brazil, at least, are from, from, from the US or other places is, is a little bit a little bit out of date, given given the pretty progressive moves that have been made now over a couple of administrations down there. Great. So, Jack, going to take a little of a shift into the hat you wear today, which is around products and managing that the product set for the bank. Could you speak to us and just to start and level set? Could you speak to the different products that you offer to today and across the three markets? For sure. Let me start with the, the, the easy part and the simple part. We operated in Brazil for about six to seven years before we launched in Mexico and then a year after that in Colombia. So in Mexico and Colombia, our product suite is, is pretty simple. We offer the classic purple credit card in Mexico and in Colombia. Obviously, we have plans to grow that product suite over time. In Brazil, where we've been operating for the for the longest time, we have made a couple. There have been a couple of phases of New Bank. The first phase was the the race to prove ourselves relevant for a specific set of customers and to achieve you know product market fit. And so, for the first four, maybe even close to five years, I would say about four years. The company was laser focused on making our customers love us fanatically, and that was making the credit card product the very best it could be. And, and it was a simple premise. Brazilian consumers, especially younger consumers, millennials, hated the fees on their credit cards. We offered a no-fee credit card available in an app at a time when every Brazilian, especially young Brazilian, was getting a smartphone, 2013, 14, 15. Next phase after that, the year or two before I joined, was extending from a credit card to a bank account product. Today, and over the last two, two and a half years, which is roughly the time I've been, I've been there, we have basically aimed to go from that basic couple of products to a full financial suite. We talk about, at New Bank, we talk about the five financial seasons. So people save and they invest, they spend and they borrow, and they also protect in terms of insurance for the fifth one. And today, 
after about two and a half years of concerted effort, we have not just the credit card and a bank account product, we have an investment investment product, which allows people to buy and sell, trade and hold uh, fixed income and fixed income products, uh, stocks, bonds, everything. We We have obviously our suite of savings products with our bank account, and we have the credit card, we have personal loans, and we have life insurance and and also mobile phone insurance, which we just launched a couple of weeks ago. We also simultaneously moved into Mexico and Colombia, and we launched a small business account really for micro merchants, which has grown tremendously in the last 12 months or so. And and that's that's basically where we were until the very end of last year when we we launched something that took us even beyond financial services in a, in its strictest sense where we launched essentially an e-commerce marketplace in partnership with a series of local e-commerce players you can now go into the new bank in brazil and buy a pair of shoes buy a pair of running shoes if you want for example and the the payment is obviously very seamless but the biggest reason for people to come to, to New Bank to do that is we can, given the scale of the number of customers we have, we're now well north of 50 million customers, we can get our customers discounts and cash back by operating a retail marketplace. And that's something we're just starting to experiment with now. That's uh, interesting. You kind of went into from the single product <laughs> into the super app or the budding ambitions around a super app. How do you, you know, think about that roadmap, so to speak, because when you have a single product offering, you could be spending a lot of time and just growing that customer's needs, right? Growing into the customer needs, but it seems like there's also a focus to become the super app. Uh, So just curious about your thoughts on some of the decisions along the way. Yeah, it's a tough, it's the toughest challenge we've had over the last couple of years and it's the toughest challenge that most startups or even very large companies have is the one between the room for innovation and the need to focus so there's no simple answer for that for us the biggest and for me personally the biggest the biggest north star is follow the consumer really understand what their unmet needs are really understand where their pain points are and for a while and what does not make sense is to have lots of subpar products and so we try to we, we, we try to avoid that but there are there are therefore these cycles there are cycles when you are very much focused on launching and optimizing and improving products that are maybe in their early stages making sure they get you know in the cliched phrase they get to product market fit for us we we, we want to go beyond simple product market fit we want to get to customer love there are other times where as your portfolio starts maturing, you want to make sure you've, you're following the consumer where else they're going. What's great about the Brazilian and the Latin American market in general is the, it's, it's a very young population. They are extremely tech savvy. They are amongst the highest users, for example, of social media. So companies like, like Facebook and Instagram and, and, and Google and Netflix pay a lot of attention to to markets like Brazil and Mexico. And so our consumers are very, very savvy. They have very acute pain points and needs. 
particularly in the wake of, of COVID. And so if you keep your eyes trained on their needs, they will tell you where you need to go if you're paying close enough attention. And then there's a question of sequencing. What do you do in what order? And what do you do when? And how much bandwidth do you have? Which is, which is, a, which is a, a, a difficult challenge, but it's manageable because you're choosing beyond, between a set of things that your customers really, really are asking for. Yeah, that, that's helpful. And then just in terms of JAG, the product, the, the famous purple product, could you share some of the product principles that went around it or continues to probably in the products that you roll out? Just because it sounds like, and let me know if I'm on the right track here, but one of the main reasons your product background from a tech has really come in handy, it sounds like, is because of that obsessive focus around customer need. I think I've heard the word love several times in this call, and that kind of speaks to what drives you. Could you share some of those product principles around starting with a purple card and also into some of the other products that you've created? For sure. You know, even well before I got to Newbank, the the thing that I don't think a non-Brazilian audience can really, or non-Latin American audience can really appreciate is how much love our consumers have for Newbank. It is not unusual for, you know, a young Brazilian to, when they've just been approved and just received their their Rochinho, their their little purple card, to pull it out at dinner, not to pay, to simply show their friends, look what I got, um, which is not a behavior that we might be used to. For example, in the in the Bay Area, the love of the brand and the love of the product is is a legacy that David and, and Ed and Chris and the whole founding team have built that I was very cognizant and I remain cognizant that I, I need to shepherd. And so I, there, is, there is one overarching principle that the product team at Newbank, we, we, we repeat to each other over and over again, almost as a mantra, which is we are in the business of building fundamentally different, not incrementally better. And the reason that is so important is precisely because Newbank has, particularly over the last three or four years, had an uncanny amount of success. And having worked at places like Google and, and Facebook earlier in my career, when you have a product or a couple of products that have really taken off, you can make almost any of your new products that follow look pretty good for a year or more because you have such a large customer base to play with and to put the product in front of. And you can fool yourself as a, as a product leader or even as a, as a product manager that the product's having great success because you can churn your entire customer base through the new stuff and you, know, you can have a couple million customers and that chart can look up and to the right for a long time. And so there are, there are a couple of things that are really important. We should be able to articulate to ourselves why is this product fundamentally different? How does it change the game? In order to be able to articulate that, you really, you really need to understand who the consumer you're targeting is, what their unmet needs, and, and how this will change their life. And that takes a lot of, that sounds simple, but it takes a lot of, a lot of work. And then the second discipline that's really important, and there, there are many experts here in Silicon Valley much more adept at this than I am, but how do you get increasingly 
scientific at measuring when you have product market fit. So it's not an intuition, it's not a feeling, it's a metric. And being really obsessive about being clear about there are basically two stages in the, in the life of a product. There's pre-product market fit. When you're pre-product market fit, the only job you have as a team is to optimize the product till you do have product market fit, till there is not just product market fit, but you know, as I've said a number of times, there is genuine customer love. And only once you have product market fit should you be worried about scaling the product. And I think a lot of companies, uh, a lot of businesses, a lot of products go wrong because they try to scale small problems and they turn them into big messes. And so we try to be pretty disciplined about not scaling products that haven't achieved customer love yet and being as scientific as we can about measuring that. And then once we, we think we've got something like customer love, then and only then do we focus on really scaling the product up. And that's why it takes us a couple of years, typically, with any product to, you know, launch it, optimize it, optimize it, optimize it again, get it to the point where customers are telling us you've got something really, really special, and then getting to scaling. And that level of patience is, is actually the hardest thing about the job. So Jack, could you talk a little bit more about your customer personas? You talked about, you know, customer obsession. Who are the different customers, both in well, in Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico? Yeah, I mean, there. So there's there's some of the stuff that we we view as actually proprietary, and I'll give you some context. When I, right around the time I I joined New Bank, one of the first projects that we got deeply into was we got a cross functional team led by our consumer research group, and basically said. Let's go understand Brazilians. This was right before COVID and ended up doing most of the research as COVID started to rage. But we really wanted to understand consumers as we were making the move from being a one or two product company into being a multi-product company. And we call it Project Amanha, which in Portuguese means tomorrow. And we, we, we observed customers for weeks in their homes to really, we asked them lots of questions about their financial lives, about their lives in general. But we also simply observed how they dealt with their finances. One of the things we found, by the way, is sort of a key headline was that Brazilians, which is very much against the stereotype, particularly as it's you know the day after Carnival, Brazilians are amongst the are are literally the most finan- most anxious people on the planet. The anxiety rate in Sao Paulo is akin to the anxiety rate clinically in many war zones. And a large amount of that anxiety is actually driven by finances. You know, Brazil is a very highly unequal society even today and even after a lot of progress. And so that as an example of a meta insight allowed us to build out a set of personas. I'll give you some of the basics and then some of the more nuanced stuff we, we, we view as, as, as proprietary, but some of the simple stuff. There is basically young and old, and young we characterize as you know millennial and, and below. And we have made a very clear strategic choice that the products we are that we are designing for the millennial and, and Gen Z consumer, which we've had a lot of success actually, particularly through the pandemic of getting older consumers, but we are very clearly designing for a younger consumer, and that leads to a series of design choices. And we are we also made a choice 
in the early days, Newbank made a very clear choice to focus on young urban millennials who were middle class, basically middle income by Brazilian standards. About a year and a half ago, we made the decision that we would focus on millennials, but not just on the on the middle class. We would go both up market and simultaneously down into the underserved population and, and build an explicit set of products for both for both sets of consumers. So that's at the macro level. And then there are about eight to ten personas in each of those broad segments that we think about. And that's based on a lot of you know behavioral characteristics about their their attitudes to to credit and and their attitudes to planning for the future and a number of other dimensions. But that's how we pretty systematically set about to understand the consumer so that we could build a product roadmap that really matched. Great, thank you. So we are almost finishing up our moderated session. We have to open up for the audience. So the last question I'll ask is actually more around your underwriting. So again, this is back to my knowledge of Latin America. The credit bureau yep. system, they are more, they have information that's more derogatory. And what I mean is if I were to not pay my credit card, that information would be available, but yep. it won't have information like that would say, yes, Ambika is paying on time every 30 days. So in the absence of that, that information, how do you navigate conforming to basically the credit, you know, giving them no fee credit card and deciding who is credit worthy and who's not? Yeah, it's a great, 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 very deeply perceptive question. I'd say a couple of things, though. I think your premise is, has historically largely been true. I think some of the credit bureau data in Brazil in particular, and, and I think in Mexico it's starting as well, is, is starting to change from being having a purely and sort of a negative, negative set of information. So that is starting to change, and that, that is definitely helpful, not just to Newbank, but to the to the credit ecosystem. The other thing that is worth saying is that our, our strategy, both from a finance and credit perspective and from a tech pr perspective is very experiment driven. And so we will give, we will take a bet on people who have no chance at credit in Brazil today with an extremely low line, a line that might be as little as 10 US dollars. And if they prove that they can, you know, pay back on time for a consistent period for for a few for a few months, we will gradually grow their credit line. And then and there are a number of customers who over time have grown their credit line by, you know, orders of magnitude. And and that's something we're very, very proud of, of getting people on the first rung of the credit ladder so that they can then finance their their dreams. And so our approach has always been to use the credit bureau data to get our own third-party sources of, of, of data. Over time, we've built up our own proprietary data as we build up history with customers and, 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 and all of that. And on top of that, all of that is, is baked in or fed into an experimental infrastructure that allows us to bet on people in and take a series of small bets and then grow them as we get more information. Great, thank you. The last question I guess I have is, and then we'll open up, I promise. And that is, why was the decision made to expand into Spanish speaking countries when the app and you know the documents you've created 
product documents you've created are all in Portuguese. Like, why not Portugal? Why Colombia and Mexico, which are totally different language base? Yeah, I, it's a it's a very good question. I I would say the answer is actually pretty straightforward. Language apart, you know, there's the old joke about uh, the U.S. and the U.K. You know, two countries separated by a common language. I think that 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 sort of idea applies to Portugal and Brazil as well. The fact of the matter is is that Mexico and Colombia are much more similar to Brazil language apart than Brazil and Portugal are. Portugal is a relatively you know, middle to middle income to, to high income country. And we view Latin America as our neighborhood. We view it as part of our mission. Our mission is to is to remove complexity complexity from the lives of a hundred million Latin Americans. And so the obvious second market for New Bank was actually Mexico as the second largest country in the region. That's where the problems of underbanked and unbanked people were very similar to Brazil, although there was a lot of skepticism that we could export the success in Brazil anywhere else. The problems of limited access to credit are are similar. The problems of, of the society, which if you go back five, 10 years, and in Mexico is still true, highly cash-based, all of these things were, are, these are the problems that are very familiar to, to us at New Bank. We've, we've dealt with them. And there's certainly some local, you know, Brazilian idiosyncrasies to them. But the general class of problems, the general nature of the challenge, the general pain points of consumers, very, very similar. Portugal is a whole, a whole different, different situation. And, uh, and we just felt that Mexico and Colombia were the, were the natural next steps. Got it. Thank you. So let's open up. We have three people here on stage who want to share their thoughts or ask you questions. And for those who are interested, there are two ways to come to ask questions. One is you can raise your hand and any one of us can bring you on stage. There is an icon on the bottom right. If you click on that, you, you'll come on stage. Second, if you are in a loud area and are unable to ask questions, you can also send it to us. So there is an airplane icon. If you click on that, you can either access uh, me or Manisha, you can send us your question and we'll read it on your behalf. But reminder that the call is being recorded. So we ask that before you start your, your question, please state your name and where you're dialing in from. So with that, Daniela, over to you. Thank you. Hi, this is Daniela. I'm calling from Mexico. First of all, I want to congratulate you because it is true, people in Mexico really, really aspirational. And when they pull out the new card, like they're thriving, they're really, really excited. And I think that when you say that you actually took a lot of time to make the market fit perfectly, you really understood that there was a large population in, in Latin America that were completely ignored by traditional banking. And the fact that you gave them an opportunity to have some credit and somebody to believe in them has profoundly changed how people perceive themselves and how much they can actually can aspire to have a better future. So as a Mexican, as a Latin American, I really, really thank you and congratulate you. Having said that, what are, what are the, the challenges with the Mexican government and the economies that you're trying to incorporate in your strategies as you increase your market share? 
Thank you, Daniela, for the really kind words about New Bank. Really appreciate hearing that. And that certainly makes us feel like we're, we've gone a little way in the direction of fulfilling our mission. In terms of Mexico, I, I, I wouldn't say our key challenges are, are really tied to government policy or the regulatory framework or things like that per se. I think our challenges in Mexico are very akin to the challenges we had in, in Brazil, probably about, what is it, 2022? So about five or six years ago. It's still very, very early days for us in Mexico. We are still building up the team. We are still building up the, the infrastructure. We're still tiny by the standards of the incumbent banks. There's still, we are, there's still only a minority of Mexicans who've even heard about Newbank and can tell you, yeah, I've heard of this company. Forget about you know, knowing what we do, getting to the point where they're considering even signing up with us. So we have a lot of work ahead of us in Mexico and Colombia in particular of simply driving awareness and understanding of proving that in those markets that our core initial credit card product is fundamentally different and not simply incrementally better. And, and then building out the whole suite of products that Mexicans and Colombians both, both need. And, and one of the great, one of the things that's very distinctive about the way David and Newbank operates is we're not trying to take what we built in Brazil and simply export it directly to Mexico or to Colombia or anywhere else. And so we put a lot of work and it takes a decent amount of time. And so again, it takes patience to think about what are the needs in Mexico or Colombia that are different. And so, and so we are very, we're those products in Mexico, for example, are driven by local teams and they're driven by a local understanding. So the, the Brazilian customer segmentation that I referred to earlier, we have a completely different one done independently a year later for Mexico that drives our product thinking there. And that's really what our challenges are, is because we're not simply trying to take one product and, and launch it across the world. I've, I actually had this debate with David in my early days at Newbank. He said, look, David, I wasn't allowed to launch a product in Google unless it was available in 40 languages and covered 99.9% .9 of the global internet population. And David sat me down in my literally my first month at Newbank and said, Banking's different, Jack. We got to build something that's really, you know, you know, custom, customized to the to the local population. And he was right. Yeah, it's absolutely right. And if I can have a follow up, one of the key challenges in Mexico is um, education. People don't know how bank systems work because there's such a lack of basic educational system in Mexico, yeah. and people are being ripped off by the 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 economies like the, the stores that give really high interest to 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 the, to the mexican population are you planning to give some sort of coaching or educational or training programs for free in order to accelerate your entrance into the market into the, in mexico it's a it's a great point daniela and a great question the the short the sh there's a nuanced answer to this, but the short answer is we see the same challenge that you do around, and not just in Mexico, by the way, across Latin America and across lots of regions of the world, actually, including the U.S., by the way. And so we, we've, we, we are trying to figure out the answer to that problem. One of the things we have thought about is 
no one really likes to feel like they're going to school. And so we're trying to think about how we, how we make education feel like content. We live in the age of, you know, social media and user content. And uh, I mean, we're all on Clubhouse here today. And so we, whatever we end up doing, and we've done some of this in, in Brazil, especially, and some in Mexico as well already, actually, as well, but is how do we make content that is both educational, but also compelling? But yeah, I, I agree with your I agree with your premise, and I think it's a it's a real opportunity, and it's something we are looking very closely at. Well, I congratulate you, and and I thank you for for doing this job here in Mexico. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniela. So, Jag, we have technically only seven minutes, and there are five more individuals on stage to ask you questions. So, my question to you is: Can you stay a little longer? It's going to be a little bit tight, but let's see how much of a rapid right. fire we can do. Okay, so Sean, over to you. One question only, if you will, please. What if I say no? No, I'm kidding. I'll make it quick then. So I think a couple of things you mentioned in terms of markets that you were going after, you know, markets where there's income inequality, you know, I would say banking products that people hated or didn't love. I think once, if you apply that lens to the US, I think most people would say, or would agree at a sort of, you know, at a high level, those are market condition exists. I guess the question, and you've probably gotten this question quite a bit, is: Do you see Newbank at some point entering the U.S. market? And, and you know what? And, and if not, why not? And that's my question. Yeah. In, in the spirit, Sean, thank you for the question. In the spirit of rapid fire, I will say I'll give you the honest answer, which is I don't know. I I I would I would say that I think sort of implied in your question is. The U.S. market, even I gave some examples, the U.S. market has challenges, at least in pockets, with underbanked and un, mostly underbanked, but even some unbanked, substantial share of the population. I certainly think there is a lot of room for innovation left in the U.S. market and the U.S. financial services market. I think there is room for the Fed, for the regulator to be more progressive compared to some of its global peers, if I'm being honest. And if you are a company headquartered in Sao Paulo and just making our first steps in you know, other Latin American countries like, like Colombia and Mexico, the US seems like a pretty daunting challenge. So we'll put all of those things together and figure out, figure out if, if the US ever makes sense. But for now, the simple answer is we don't know. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Kenneth, over to you for your quick question. Oi, Jack. Obrigado para você for fazendo coisa no Brasil. Appreciate it. Muito obrigado. Muito obrigado. No, no. I kind of thought, I'm sorry. I'd like to, to talk to you more about the expansion of Brazil. I have dual citizen. I'm in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, a dual citizen in the U.S. and Brazil. I'd like to know about the expansion opportunities and collaboration and also a certain that there are immediate opportunities to expand the relationships with within Mexico and within Brazil and Colombia, just via Silicon Valley um, area alone. So if you would like to talk about that, I wonder if you guys are open for that opportunity to talk about that. And uh, is there also, is there opportunity to invest further into Newbank as accredited investors? Or well, Newbank, in terms of your last question first, Newbank's a publicly traded company now since December. So... You can, oh, invest in the, you can invest in Newbank any any anytime you want, during market hours or after. 
So that is not investment advice, to be clear. And and the as I understand your the other part of your question, we are and this is true since the start. You know, since that first million dollars from Sequoia, Newbank is Newbank operates in English as our lingua franca across the company, and that was in part uh, the, the big part of the reason for that is so that we could attract even from the very early days that the company could attract global talent. Now that's not an issue for you. You speak your Portuguese is way better than mine, but obvious for obvious reasons but but it gives you a signal of the fact that we are we are scouring the planet for for the best talent in fact i just found out today that we have a few a handful of ukrainian employees at newbank right so uh, so so we we have we have always sought to find you know the best particularly technical talent that we can given the mission of the company yeah, I'd like to reach out to you via, I already reached out to you via LinkedIn. And I actually have family in Sao, in Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. So perhaps we could talk about that, if you don't mind. That sounds great. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks, Kenneth. And Winji, I hope I'm saying your name right. Yeah, Boyan Oitsche from San Francisco. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you could speak to sort of the emerging uh, neo market, neobank market in Colombia, given that... From what I understand, there are already competitors such as like Nike, Davi Plata, Bilo Bank. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see new banks sort of differentiating itself in that market? You know, I'm not sure I should really say this, but I was in a meeting this morning asking uh, that that exact question. So I can't tell you that I have a, a great a great answer because that was mostly for me to to learn about the, the landscape down there. I will say that Colombian market does appear to have a few strong fintech competitors in the market. Again, that's great. Our basic view at Newbank is these markets are large. They have a lot of need and a lot of room for innovation. We don't expect to be the only ones who are driving that innovation and the competition is good for the consumer. It's actually good for us. We found that to be true in Brazil and, and I'd expect that to be true in Colombia. I will say that the little bit I do know, I do think the fintech ecosystem and and the neobank ecosystem in in Bogota and in Colombia is still pretty pretty nascent, and so we we feel pretty good. We've had really great traction in our first year in Colombia on the credit card side, and and we have we have a lot of optimism that there's there's a lot of room for for innovation in the, in the market. But you're right, there are some there's some really strong relatively new neobanks and fintechs in the market that should drive things forward. Great. Thank you. Can you take one last question, Jack? Uh, let's do one last question. Yes. Okay. So Deidre, over to you if you want to give your intro and then ask. Yes. Thank you. So this is Deirdre. I'm in a user experience research. I'm in Oakland, California right now. You're new to finance and this custom, this uh, company is really like customer obsessed. And it's been interesting hearing you talk about the customer. I want to know what have you found to be the most delightful thing about your customers? The most delightful thing about our customers. I will tell you the most, this is maybe a slight tweak on your question, Deirdre, but I'd say the most inspiring thing about our customers is how, mm -hmm how much faith they retain in the, in the midst of often, at least for a segment of our customers, very challenging mm -hmm. circumstances, 
and even through you know the onset of the pandemic which is as many of you know was 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 quite bad in particularly mm-hmm. in brazil their belief in the future you know the new bank we came out about four five six months ago we came out with a television campaign the first time we really did a television mm-hmm. campaign at scale and it was it the, the the name of the campaign was o futuro and escolia seo futuro choose your future and that's the that was inspired by our customers by their faith in the future their faith in the possibility for themselves for their kids and their belief that a fairer financial system could help them realize that and that that we we are inspired by that ethos every day mm, thank you for that because i think i just wrapped it up for you perfectly i think you did i was going to say that <laughs> So with that, Jack, any closing comments? If you're hiring, usually that's also a question that we didn't hear today. But if you're hiring in the U.S., where can we learn more about it? You can you can hit, learn more about it at, at at newbank.com in terms of hiring in the U.S. We are for selected roles. Obviously, given our the consumers we are serving, we 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 try to hire mostly in region. But for specific roles, particularly hard to find roles in region, we are we are we do hire throughout the U.S. And you can find out about it at our, our recruiting website. And people can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, of course. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and for staying slightly over. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Manisha, Ambika. I really enjoyed it. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you like the discussion, we welcome you to join us during our live shows every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific on Clubhouse. We'd be delighted to have you there. You can also find other episodes on all major podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd appreciate if you could leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Until next week, be safe. Thank you.